in our prior discussions, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, some differences between uh, Reframe and Fulcro, and we mentioned a few things, particularly uh, differences between, uh, say, the use of hiccup and and functions, and differences between how we do view optimizations. And so, um, in the in the gap between you know the last episode and now, I've had some further refining thoughts on that that I thought might be interested to, interesting to talk about. Mm-hmm. So, in terms on the the hiccup versus function uh, topic. Uh, to where you know reframe or reagent use this hiccup notation and and right. Fulcrum uses a function call notation. Uh, I was trying to think of a word when we were talking about that, and it was the word I was looking for was hygienic, but uh, aesthetic is is another word I would use for that. From my perspective in Fulcro, that choice is just that. It's 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 which do you prefer in terms of look? It makes no effect on on. Uh, the actual runtime or operation of Fulcro itself. It's purely a personal choice. You can use Sublano, you can use the functions provided. Um, and we've done a lot of work to make sure the functions provided perform uh, when used optimally pretty much as fast as vanilla JS. The, those are you know macro-based functions that really do turn into JS, React, create element uh, whenever mm-hmm. possible. Um, so so you really can get you know kind of a maximal performance out of those. Um, but there's another aspect to those that I, I believe, and I don't know the internals of Reframe particularly well, but I think part of their targeted refresh story has to do with the fact that you're not actually calling the functions and evaluating uh, the atoms in those data structures. You're sort of capturing them in the data structure. And so then the system can can use that as a mechanism where it, it can figure out which sub- subsections of the UI need to be updated. Right, so when the R atom changes, or a particular subscription value changes, um, instead of having these, you know, with reframe, instead of having you know all these this little kind of embedded state everywhere in the app to get this kind of targeted refresh, um, mm-hmm. you know, reframe uses its subscription model and you know this this graph of signaling and data change stuff to figure out okay these things have changed and these are the bits of UI that rendered them therefore these are the bits of the UI that I can update. Mm-hmm. So, so in reframe using hiccup, I th- I don't think it is uh, um, an aesthetic choice there. I think it's kind of a I think you probably could use functions and functional closure, but you'd be writing a lot of lambdas. I think I think you'd be you'd be you'd be writing things differently for sure. It could be that you could still capture them with function calls uh, in a nested way, but I I think the data structure notation in reframe actually. And again, I haven't looked at the internals. I suspect it's it's not purely aesthetic. It's it's actually a a thing that helps them achieve their performance. So Fulcro does things a little differently because Fulcro, remember, is centered around. Remember, we talked about queries and idents. Right. Every component that's on the screen um, that is of consequence to you, like it has any sort of state that could change. Right. You you can you can write a component. You can write a, a component as a function. It can just be you know DOM. Uh, but if you want it to participate in anything Fulcro can do for you, then that thing needs to have an ident. Uh, and it could be a singleton ident, right? You could just make one up, component by uh, uh, ID uh, colon colon list, right? It's some list component. Then it's it's once in the database in one single place, it's really easy to go find an update. Uh, and maybe the only thing you've got in there is the sort order for the list, right? That's what you're tracking. Now, when you render a bit of UI in Fulcro, what it does is it actually indexes every component that mounts 
into an in-memory index in Fulcro's application. It's the application you create. You can create any number okay. of instances of applications. And each application that mounts tracks what's currently on screen by a number of things. Uh, it tracks by what, what its ident is. And remember, the ident could be dynamic as well. You could have three people on the screen. And so person ID 1, person ID 2, person ID 3, uh, there would be three entries in the index uh, under those idents with three different instances associated with them. Uh, if you had a side-by-side -side thing where you had a person list and on the right there was a person form, you might have two on-screen components that have that same ident. Like person ID 1 could be the selected one. That's what's showing in the form. It's person ID 1. There's two different components that go with that ident. The other thing we index is what they query for. So what props are in the query of a particular component? So if the person list item has just queried for name, then it'll be in the index under person name. It'll say person name has a mounted thing called person list item. Mm -hmm. And the form, well, it queries for person name and address and yada, yada, yada. Every one of those properties will be in the index and each one will point to that same thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So these indexes allow Fulcro to know exactly what's on the screen where. So when okay. you go and change a normalized entity, you know, person ID three, and you change the right. name, all it has to do is go and look at the indexes and it knows which components are on screen and it can refresh just those components. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, now, Fulcro has a pluggable renderer, so you can choose which mechanism of kind of figuring out what's dirty and what you want to refresh. Uh, like that's, that's a pluggable algorithm. And I've got three or four that I've created to give you different choices on what might be optimal for the platform that you're on. Um, so, uh, but these indexes enable you to do that sort of, of figuring out what's dirty and what should be updated. And so there isn't the same, like in reframe, you've got this, you've got two things you're kind of trying to optimize for simultaneously. You're creating the subscription graph where you're trying to prevent computation when it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of the, the, view data is actually computed. It's not reified in the database. It's, it's computed. And so, you know, specifying kind of your signal graph through there is your way of optimizing uh, how much overhead a particular render might have, right? I changed some fact in the database and, and all of this derived data um, flows through and changes, right? The dominoes fall, uh, according to Mike. Um, and you know, the more information you give that system about how that data is connected, the more efficiently it can update that derived data. Um, now, the nice thing about that, the really nice thing about that is there isn't uh, a caching problem, right? You're not, you're not having to worry about cache and validation because it just automatically tries to optimize uh, what updates. You've got this reframe 10x tool where you, where you can see what all is being called and try to optimize it further. Mm -hmm. um, but you are always optimizing computation in that particular case. Um, mm -hmm. Well, and in a way you do have caching, right? The, the portions of the graph that were derived from private previous facts that have not changed are really memoized, right? They're captured for the moment. Mm -hmm. um, or are they captured or is it just like reified in the DOM? Like it's just like, oh no, in order to compute subtrees at any point, you have to have remembered what else was there, right? So the caching story is sort of built into that model and it, it's, it's a, really a pretty nice model 
if what you've got is what, what Mike initially designed it for, you've got a flash-based kind of thing where there's a whole lot of derived data. Almost everything's derived data. There's this, you know, there's this like core set of facts, and then you're doing all these graphs and reports and you know, crazy things on screen where a lot of it's not coming from a reified database on a server. You know, th there's a nice aspect of it. Fulcro's default approach, right? Remember, I'm coming from a forms-based, you're working on a business app, most of your data is coming from a database, most of your data is going back to a database. Most things are reified in, in Fulcro's kind of default view, right? There isn't a whole lot of view computation. Um, and the kinds of computation you'll typically do in those sorts of applications uh, are things that are typically very fast to do right in your render method, right? I've got a list of 10 items. I want to sort them by name. That's, that's just so fast to do what's wrong with sort by person slash name of the people, right? Um, I mean, I've got applications that have thousands of items that are sorted that way in the UI. And it's so fast as to just, it's just not even worth trying to optimize it or cache it. Um, like you look at the actual performance to closure scripts and JavaScript these days, it's just really fast. Um, so why add a layer of complexity to my application to, to get those? So, so that's kind of, kind of an A-B comparison of, of sort of the difference of approach. If you have a lot of derived data, Fulcro's default model is to ask you to do that computation and reify it into the database or do it in the rendering layer and you're kind of on your own. Now, that's not to say that you can't plug something in. In fact, there's a, a gentleman uh, that I was just talking to two weeks ago that is working on a subscription-based system for Fulcro. And I did a couple of YouTube videos to, to help him out. And I, I posted those publicly. Um, one of them was showing how you could use Reframe as the front end if you wanted. Um, mm -hmm. That isn't the approach I would necessarily use for this particular concern. I just thought it was interesting. Like Fulcro is so pluggable, you can really like, <laughs> you can hook it in however you want to hook it in. Mm -hmm. And so I, I showed him how he could do a subscription-based mechanism with React hooks um, where you could essentially kind of do some of the same computational model things with data dependencies that Reframe does, uh, but more effectively hook it into the existing Fulcro model so that you still get the benefit of, hey, I'll, most of what I'm doing is these, you know, is just reified views of stuff from my server. It's not a lot of derived stuff. But when I go to that report screen, it's a lot of derived stuff and I just want to derive it. Um, so yeah, so if you want an out-of-box experience where mostly what you're dealing with is, com is, is this kind of computed Computer, data, yeah. yeah, I mean, Reframe's a very nice choice for that. Uh, it really is. Mm -hmm. It's well-designed for that. It, it uh, renders optimally. Um, uh, but if you want something where you've got a lot of data that you're working with, it's really stored on databases, you want to keep it normalized, you want to push and pull it easily, um, uh, you know, I think Fulcro's... Uh, you know, the, got the clear advantage uh, there. Mm -hmm. So while working, I'm, I know you're using, so I think in your head, everything is very clear. You say this is like derived data, this is reified data, this is computed data. Can we just try to like unpack a bit of those sure. words and say like, what exactly do you mean by that? Right, so um, uh, an example of, of um, well, so you've got the, the data that's in your database on the server, mm -hmm. right? The, yeah. the place where you actually store uh, the accounts and the people and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. uh, when you load that data into, I'm sorry. So in front of that database, what you do is you put uh, an EQL parser, 
right? So EQL is what Fulcro talks over the network, right? So that's the Eden right. query language. You send your query to saying, mm -hmm. and, and the UI wants to say for Fulcro the shape that it wants, right? So right now I need, uh, you know, person which has these sub things. I need this stuff, some of this stuff flattened, some of this stuff fanned out, that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's really nice to be able to say in Fulcro, I want to query for this view of what's on the server. But everything that's on the server is really, it's data that's stored in a database. It's none of its calculated data, right? I'm not trying to sum up order totals or something, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, Wilker and I kind of developed things in parallel. Pathome was, you know, both of us were trying to use Omnext and it wasn't working for us. So I was developing, you know, a front end, you know, reworking of that. And he started working on the back end. So he ended up with Pathome. I ended up with Fulcrum. But mm -hmm. the two really are designed together and meant to work together. And so Pathome has these nice features where you can uh, easily define new resolvers to create virtual edges amongst real data that in, in your data model where it makes sense. So say, for example, you've got a, an address database table and an account table. And the account has a primary address. And there's a reference, right? There's a pointer between the two, however you reify that in your database. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, with Pathome, you can very easily define a resolver that says, if I have a, an account ID, I can tell you the primary address ID. And then okay. you can add another resolver that says, if I have an address ID, I can tell you the address street. And then mm -hmm. just by defining those two resolvers, you can, def you can set, make a query on your, your person component saying, I want person name and address street you know, folded together into one layer, right? Into one map. Mm -hmm. And Pathome mm -hmm. can automatically do the res resolvers in the background, the resolutions in the background. It can figure out, oh, I've got a person ID, therefore I can walk to the address and get the address street. Mm -hmm. And I'll pull that together into a map and return it to you, right? Yeah. So so that's that's what the picture looks like in terms of, I'm going to ask for a particular view of data that's in my database, get it back as, as a view in the shape I wanted in my UI. Uh, and because I've got this ident for the person, I know which person I'm dealing with. So if I go to do a save or whatever, I know I can send the person ID back and say, I'm saving the person's name, oh, and their primary street, right? And my save can then do whatever logic it needs to do to, to put that back in the database. So um, when I made that query <clears throat> and it came to Fulcro, Fulcro is going to normalize that. Uh, in the shape that the query of the UI asked for it in. And so now I'm reifying uh, a data tree that matches my DOM react tree into my right. database, right? So that's what I mean by a reified view. So, so the, the view in the database, which is a normalized picture of data on the server, may not match the shape it's in on the server. Mm -hmm. right? So that's why I call it a reified view. It's, it's not exactly what's in the in the database in shape but the details are the same right. and they're the data match the ui mm -hmm. so now if you go ahead no i just so so i'm saving this into my database right so i'm updating this person name i'm saving this back uh and i believe i maybe i'm wrong but is there like optimistic ui that will just change the stuff on the client and send it in the back end to the Absolutely. Uh, server? That's, okay. that's part of the, the whole model. Remember, Folk was meant to be a full stack system for doing exactly this sort of thing. 
Okay, so I'm sending this back to the server. Assuming everything goes well, my UI stays with this state. If there is an error on the server, I get this back and maybe my UI then updates based on the error that it couldn't, the optimistic UI was not correct. Right, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a distributed system. So yes, you have, uh, in Fulcrum, you have the ability to do the optimistic updates. So you can say, all right, I'm gonna modify my local copy of it immediately. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm right. going to indicate that I want that to be propagated to the server. Mm -hmm. um, and then you do have to write the code that says, you know, if it's okay, fine. If it's not okay, then I need to undo it somehow. Uh, and so, you know, I have a forum state namespace that deals with this particular concern of keeping track of what, what was my pristine state? What have I edited? What have I persisted? What has gotten back to the server? That sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, there are a lot of, different little nuances to that right right when dealing with forms um, but in terms of of additional information on the reified views let's say i'm going to do a report i could load i mean i could define resolvers that roll up the data for me right i could mm -hmm. just say i want uh this order by this id and i want order total and then pathom could have a resol resolver that says oh if i give me an order id i can tell you the total and that resolver rolls up that data on the server and just sends me the number back 36, right? Great. Um, and I can reify that as a view. Uh, and again, that isn't, that isn't data that uh, exists in any particular point in the server in that shape. I could also say, give me the order line items, and then I'm going to compute the total on the, on the client. And so that's where we can choose to do it one of two ways. We can choose to, in the rendering code, you know, do a reduce with plus on the order uh, right. amounts and come up with the total every time I re-render that component. And of course, that component is only going to re-render if the line item, if something changes, right, within uh, uh, within your session props. The props of the component, right? The, the rendering of, of a component will short circuit if none of the props change. Mm -hmm. Right, That's a built-in. Sure. Focal components are pure by default. If the props don't change, should component update says no. Okay, so this is in your session, if you're in your browser, right? Correct. If there is any any change on the database, uh, Fulcro doesn't have like this PubSub model. Correct. There is no PubSub model. Mm -hmm. It's got mm -hmm. the database, and the database is normalized, and it knows what components have queried for what data mm -hmm. and whether or not they're on screen. Mm -hmm. So it can very, very quickly and accurately determine what needs to be refreshed and what doesn't. And even if it renders from root of the React DOM, which again, you can plug in renders and, and the renders can choose whether or not they do that or they do targeted rendering um, mm -hmm. based on the, the database diff. Uh, really the, the balance there is, it, is it more expensive to compute the diff than it is to just have React try rendering from root and, and using should component update to short circuit, right? Those are the kind of the, the balance between the two. Um, so should component update is automatically installed on the class-based components. If you use hooks, it's not, but you, you, know, you can choose what you want to use. But if you're using the class-based ones, should component updates automatically installed and automatically diffs the props and the children um, uh, to prevent even calling the render method of anything that, that, whose props hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot of different things you can do there. So like I said, for things like I just said, where you're totaling up 10 light items, it's just writing a, a one-liner in your let in the render uh, 
is fine. There's really no need, in my opinion, for uh, additional work. Another thing you could do is as you load the line items, you could figure out the total and actually store it in the Fulcro database as a fact, order total, mm -hmm. that you query mm -hmm. for, order total. You didn't query for that from the server. You calculated it at, right after the load, and now you're just like, you got it, right? Mm -hmm. But now it's a cache and validation issue, right? And so there's where where you're, you're playing with the balance between something like Reframe that would keep that value up to date and only update it when necessary, and Fulcro, where because it doesn't default to having that sort of, of mechanism, you either you typically want to compute it in render, um, mm -hmm. because if you if you reify it into the database, now you've got a cache and validation issue, right? You have to you have to on every mutation that might change a light item, it has to remember to go update the order total, mm -hmm. which is a hassle, right? Um, mm -hmm. So so again, the reason that that Fulcro doesn't have this like this data calculation model like like reframe is most of the stuff that I write with it. Well, everything I personally write with it, uh, most of that, the vast majority of that just doesn't need it. It's so fast to do the the little computations like that in the in the render method. Why add the complexity and the tracing problems and the right? I need a dev tool to even figure out what's going on inside of it. I don't I don't want that, right? That that makes my programs harder to maintain and harder to understand. Um, Unless I'm writing reports where there's a whole lot of derived data, and now, right, that starts to become appealing, and so, so I'm I'm really hoping that here in the near future, um, uh, we'll see, you know, an open source contributor add that sort of thing, uh, you know, for plugin to Fulcro. I, I don't have any plans myself at the moment. I'm just I'm very busy, and I don't personally uh, need mm -hmm. it yet. But but I can see, you know, there are classes of applications where that thing is very handy. It's very useful. Mm -hmm. Right. So just to summarize this up, uh, if I'm working with Ultra or when I'm working with Ultra, mm -hmm. uh, more or less, I'm just getting all of this data uh, in a normalized view, normalized way. Yep. And if I need to do any kind of computation, as you said, like summing things up for any kind of metrics, KPIs whatsoever, I would do this in the render. Usually and then, there are there are some yeah. cases where when cache and validation isn't a problem, you might just do it at the end of the load. Right, you can actually put a hook into load that says after the load, do this mutation to my database. Um, mm -hmm. And so, if if it's a simple, you know, only once needed calculation, you could do it that way. You could also write a mutation to do it and put it in the database. But yes, for the most part, um, for the simple ones, I just I just do them in render. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, maybe one more question. So when does the component like so this uh, when do they re-render when i just enter the page and then this is when the fetch to the database happen all right so you're in control uh so fulcro doesn't have a model of of automatically doing things for you right i i, I don't believe i don't really like event kinds of systems because they're hard to trace right okay so everything in, in fulcro is pretty much explicit um, unless you add, you know, such such feature yourself. So the idea is, the component, the application starts. You can yeah. choose to issue initial loads and mutations. So say, for example, you need to load your applications config. Maybe you want to run something that checks the users to see if the the current cookie, you know, can establish a session. Right, they're already logged in. That sort of thing. So on mm -hmm. startup, you issue those as loads and mutations, uh, whose results, of course, then change the state of your app. 
at that point, there's only two ways things can can change, right? Either you've set some sort of JS timeout that's going to cause something to happen at some point in the future, or a user interact, interacts with your application and clicks on something, mm-hmm. right? Or drags something, or they do some right. action. And when they do that action, you call a transact and pass the list of instructions that you want Fulcro to do as a result, or mm-hmm. issue additional loads. Um, and that's it. That is that is the model of Fulcro. So, um, you know, as okay. interactions happen, you submit. Hey, this this change is sort of it's same in it's same in reframe, right? Um, nothing happens unless you ask something to happen. So, when you work with any Fulcro app, uh, when would you actually re-ask the server for the data? When are the moments where you say, "I need to"? Is there any pattern? Did you maybe notice anything? No, it's it's no different than than anything you've ever done as a front-end JavaScript thing. You ask the server for the data when you suspect it might be out of date with respect to what you're going to do to the data, right? So, um, yeah, it's just no different. Mm, full Chris, full stack. Um, what's the story for the database on my backend? Right. So the database doesn't even have to be on the backend. It could be anywhere, right? It could be local uh, it could be local storage in the browser. It could be a secure store in a mobile device. Uh, it could be an SQL data- database on the mobile device. Um, from Fulker's perspective, it has the concept of a remote, where a remote could be connected, again, via network or could just be sort of a loopback, sort of not even going through a network interface, just accessing a data store uh, uh, through the idea of basically all of all of the asynchrony uh, except for event handling, right? JavaScript event handling is is JavaScript event handling, and that's all asynchronous stuff. But in terms of you saying I want to run this transaction or load this data, um, uh, there's there's very little in the way of the need for callbacks uh, to be defined at the UI layer, right? We're trying to eliminate some of that asynchrony where you say I want to do this operation and I know it's going to involve some remote stuff, but I don't want that mess and clutter at my UI layer. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to submit this, this, this transaction, you know, save person with the data that needs to be saved. And now, you know, that gets handed down to a mutation and that mutation describes the different aspects of that. Here are the local things that happen to the Fulcro database and here are the remote things that happen. But a remote thing is, is simply an asynchronous um, uh, operation that can happen to any data store, whether it be you know in your same machine, virtual mm-hmm. machine environment, or whatever, or on a on a real network server. Of course, most of us think of a remote as a thing on another server. Uh, so it's it's sort of a uh, an event sourcing sort of model, right? I've got this event that's going to happen, and it's going to go off into the ether, and it's going to just happen. So if that remote is defined as a thing that we talk to across a network, then the the, the actual mutation, save person, literally with that symbol and the exact parameters that were passed to that, um, are serialized over the wire. And then on the server, you again have that EQL parser, and that person recognizes that notation as a mutation, and it goes mm-hmm. looking for a function that's been registered with it, a resolver for the mutation, mm-hmm. to process it. So at that point, what that function on the server uh, or wherever that function lives, again, that could be a, it could be a path on parser written in ClojureScript running in your browser with your SPA saving to local store, right? It, mm-hmm. it could be anywhere. But when that parser receives that mutation, 
it goes and finds the resolver for that mutation. And then whatever that function wants to do with that data, it can do. So if you mm -hmm. want to save it in an SQL database, you save it in an SQL database. You want to put it in Datomic, put it in Datomic. Um, you want to forward it onto a different server in a microservices architecture, do that. Um, right. So this is what this is what makes Fulcro database independent, even though it has a full stack story. Um, is is that's right? There's this interfacing layer at the parser level that that lets you sort of distribute these things however you see fit. And in fact, on the client an individual mutation can designate more than one remote behavior. So say, for example, you've got, uh, I don't know, let's say one of your requirements is I'm, I'm going to send it to two different remotes simultaneously. Um, uh, and one of them I use for uh, tracking some statistics or something. And I just want that to be a separate microservices thing. I call that my statistics remote. And then I've got another remote that's the actual thing that 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 does the saving and such. You can say in the mutation a section for the the remote that's going to save it, and you can say another section for the subscription for the statistics remote that's just going to like record statistics about it, and then Fulker will automatically submit that thing to both of those remotes simultaneously, um, and then it'll actually get results back from each one if they return them, uh, and then you can process those results separately if you want. Um, so that's that's basically the model: is a mutation can go to zero or more, well, it can have zero or more optimistic actions and zero or more remote operations. Mm -hmm. And at the UI layer, all you do is say, I want to submit this mutation. And then at the mutation layer, that's where you define what all that means. And, you know, technically a remote is just a way of doing some sort of th thing that needs to be processed asynchronously and will eventually give you back some sort of response, right? Mm -hmm. Succeeded, this didn't succeed, um, that sort of thing. Uh, the nice thing about uh, that I'd like to say about um, uh, mutations, though, because we have a normalized database, and because form state uh, has functions that can essentially uh, emit a minimal diff. So, for, for what form state does is it takes a picture of the database before you start editing. Like you give it a, you, you basically call it and say, "I'm starting," <laughs> in in a way. Mm -hmm. Let the user edit the the you know, the objects in the database, and then you can ask for now a diff and it goes through and figures out, okay, well, of the things you said were in the form, these three have changed. Here's your minimum diff. And the diff is a map keyed by ident, so person three. Mm -hmm. um, and then inside side of that are values of what changed. Person names before and after. Was Sam, now it's Tony. So that's what gets sent across. It's really easy to turn that minimal diff into an arbitrary sequence of database statements to have that effect. So in fact, uh, uh, you know, there's a database plugin for Fulker Rad's Datomic adapter. And it's like, I don't know, it's under 200 lines of code. Um, the code in that adapter that can save anything you edit um, in Datomic based on those minimum diffs. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really easy to make you know, a database adapter for whatever database you want to do, because you have normalized data that says, here's the here's the type of thing, here's its ID, and here's what changed about it. Okay, turn mm -hmm. that into a SQL update, trivial. Turn that into a datomic transaction, trivial. Turn that into whatever. Turn that into a document update for a document database. Again, trivial. Um, so. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. 
You can review it on iTunes or any other platform you're listening to. You can share it on social media with your friends. You can blog about it, discuss it on your own podcast, and you can support it directly by buying my video courses and learning ClojureScript and Clojure at my website, jacekshe.com. That's J-A-C-E-K-S-C-H-A-E.com. Thank you for your support of this show.